0: Uh, well, good morning, and welcome, everyone. Thanks. One of you is glad to see me. That's exciting. Uh, <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, anyway, hi, I'm Mike Rutledge. I'm the director of arts and one of the teachers here at K2, and uh, I actually am excited to be here with you this morning. You know, last week we started a new series called Le- uh, COVID-19 Lessons Learned and. Uh, Dave talked about looking at the government and understanding the government is not the solution we need for our problems today. And if you didn't watch that, go to the app or uh, go to the K2 website and watch that. It's a really great message and I think very, very uh, reassuring and comforting in this time. Today and for the next weeks, actually, we're going to be looking at lessons we've learned as a result of COVID-19. Today specifically, we're gonna be looking at the issue of control or maybe I would say the lack of or the loss of control in our lives. And I wanna try and explore this question and it's this. If you're a note taker, this is what you write down and this is in the app. This is the question. What do you do when all you can control is you? What do you do when all you can control is you? You know, when we look back in years to come at, at the year 2020, it without question will be remembered as the year of COVID 19. No question about it. Now, in, you may have other personal subtitles, you know, COVID 19 in the year I got married, COVID 19 in the year I got divorced, uh, COVID 19 in the worst graduation commencement ever, you know, COVID 19 and for me, the flooding of my basement, you know, COVID 19 the, in the notorious election, right? We might have all these subtitles, but we are all going to worldwide, when we think back on 2020, we're gonna be thinking of COVID-19. And just for a little quick uh, sort of timeline, December 31st, 2019, the last day of last year, was the first report of COVID from Wuhan, China, right? Within three weeks, January 20th, we had our first confirmed case in the United States. March 6th, six weeks after that, we had our first case in Utah, and as of this week, over 33 million confirmed cases worldwide, over 7 million here in America. Now, I know that this is a spectrum of thought. We have people who are like on one end, maybe you're, maybe you're home today and you're like, listen, this, I'm watching from afar because I feel like maybe, maybe we're too lackadaisical about it. We're too leisurely about dealing with this. And we should all be quarantined. No one should be able to go anywhere. And then you have the other end that's like, this is all a government plot and a conspiracy for control and power. And then there's people who are like, it just is what it is. And there's everything in between. What I'm not going to do is try and convince you one way or the other. I'm not, I, I'm not even going to have that conversation with you. But what I want to say to you is, no matter where you land on that spectrum of what COVID-19 is, I know one thing, and that is that your life has changed and you've had to give up some control. You've lost some control of your life. You know how I know that? Because, hey, business owners, anyone ask you, hey, you good, you good uh, closing down your business for good? You okay with that? Are you good laying off a third or half of your employees? Hey, uh, Hey, new parent, you good being released from your job? No one asked you that. Hey, teacher, how about this? Hey, teacher, you good learning like all these new technologies? You have about 72 hours to be an expert so you can train the teachers? And just when you get that figured out, we'll probably switch it. No one asked you. It's just what happened. Hey, pastor, figure out how to do online services only. And as soon as you get that figured out, let's switch to do them outdoors. And then we'll go inside. Figure that out. No one asked? Hey, the end of the world is coming. We have a pandemic. There's no toilet paper. No one asked, right? See, we all get this on some level, right? Maybe your parents said this to you or you said this to your kids. I say this all the time. Listen, you have no control over what anyone else in the world does. All you can control is you. So we kind of all understand that. But here's the rub. This is more than just an inconvenience right? This actually, this actually goes to the core of our values. Because I don't know everyone here. I don't know everyone that's watching digitally. But I know something about you and you know this about me. And that is that when we have control or when we lose control, our behavior exhibits what we truly believe. When we lose control or have no control, the way we act, Tells the world what we believe. So what are you going to do when all you can control is you? What happens, and this is really interesting, if we're not careful, when we lose control of things, if we're not careful, we start to believe some really, really dangerous lies. The first is this. This is hopeless. But this is the situation I'm in. It's never gonna change. Nothing is gonna change. You know, you're not gonna change. My, my, my spouse isn't gonna change. Therefore, my marriage is never gonna change. It's gonna be like this for the rest of my life. It's hopeless. Or the next one is, is you, you, you start to believe or you start to become hostile, right? This person isn't gonna change and I'm really mad at you because you know what, you're not for me, you're against me. And I, I, I can't make you change, so now I'm angry. Or the worst maybe is that we become helpless. We, we, we start to think, you know, there, there's no point in, in, in carrying on in this situation because it's not going to change. Or there's no point in trying anymore. There's, I just, I kind of give up on you. Or maybe the worst of all is I give up on life because I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, and I'm angry. And there's nothing left to do. But there's another layer to this onion That maybe is even more important. See, this isn't just the way we relate to each other, and it's not just the way we relate to situations. At a truly core level, this is how we relate to God, maybe even primarily how we relate to God. You know, the way we act in regards to God, in regards to loss of control, actually demonstrates what we believe about God. In fact, for many of you, because of what's happened in your life, because of a loss of control or a lack of control, it may be the very thing that has led you to question your faith, or in some cases say, I'm done and I'm walking away. You know, you, you say stuff like, My situation is, is is just so hopeless and God isn't doing anything about it. He didn't do anything about it when he could have. I'm so angry and I just can't do this anymore. And I want to say this really gently, but I want you just to listen and bear with me as I say this. If that's what you're thinking, I want you to understand something very important. That what you are essentially saying in that statement is, I want to control God. I want you to act the way I think you should. Hear that gently, but hear it. And listen, I know if I sat down with you and you shared your story with me, and you share the details of things that happened to you, you know, when you were a kid. By people who were supposed to protect you. You share your story of what happened in your marriage. Or if you shared your story of what happened at work. Or if you shared your story of how COVID is crippling your life. I would probably say, who could blame you? And I'm not trying to blame you. I don't want to blame you. But if this is at all where you are with regards to this topic in regards to God. I want to ask you to listen with me to the very end. Just bear with me because I think there's hope. And I want to be aware of one thing that happens in this discussion is that oftentimes we make some presuppositions or assumptions or we have beliefs that we've created about God. And they're not necessarily right. And I want to challenge you to consider that maybe, just maybe, in spite of your presupposition, it, it might be wrong. And maybe God is still God, even if he's not behaving the way you want him to. See, here's the assumption that we make. It goes like this. If he could, he would. If he was But he isn't, so he isn't. If he could, he would. If he was good, he would. But he isn't, so he isn't. What do I mean by that? If God could do something about my situation, if he could, if he had the power to, he would because he wouldn't want me in this bad situation. If he was good, he would remove me from this bad situation. But he's not. And that leads me to believe since he can't, he's either not could or he's not good, which means he's not powerful enough to do it or he doesn't have a good nature. And I want to just let you, just, just let you in on, a, on something. Maybe you already even know this, but like the, the idea that God always and only acts in goodness is a bad supposition. And you know what? Even historically through the Bible, this was never even believed of the evil gods or any god, right? You look at like Chemosh and Molech, the gods of Canaanite and, and, or the Moabites and the Ammonites, they, they, they required child sacrifice. That's not a good god. That's that's not a that's that's not good at all. Or you have the, uh from from the, from the uh, Ammonites and he he in their worship was like this rampant prostitution and so like they had like sex slavery going on to make this religion good. That's not a good god. Or Marduk the god of war or you have maybe you remember this story remember Baal and Ash, Ashtrath they're the god that uh Elijah challenged. He challenged them outright. And this is what's amazing <laughs> These two gods, they, they, just even to get their attention, listen to this, this, and this is straight from 1 Kings, they're trying to get these gods to pay attention to them. The 450 uh, prophets of Baal are trying to get their gods to listen to them, and it says this, and following the normal custom, what normal custom? They cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. Let me just be clear. No one ever believed that the gods of the past were good. As a matter of fact, these evil gods were users. Just to get your attention, you have to hurt yourself. But somehow, we believe this about our God, the God of Israel. And it's not the God of Israel. It's not the God of the Bible. This God that he could, he would, he's good, he would, this is a new God. It's a modern American God. This is the God of the American dream. This is the genie in a bottle God. This God, He could, He would, is the I get to control God, God. Let me let me ask you this. How good would you say a doctor is that if you needed a life-saving surgery and the doctor said this you need this surgery or you're going to die? But let me just tell you, it's going to be a really painful recovery, therefore I refuse to do it. I'm not going to do it. What would you say about that doctor? You're terrible. You're a horrible doctor save my life. Yet we hold God to this same standard that we think is unreasonable with humans. The truth of the matter is, we likely grow as much or more through our times of difficulty and pain and when we feel God as distant and absent as we do in those times of pleasure and when there's ease and comfort. C.S. Lewis says in his book, The Problem of Pain, God whispers to us in his pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, we can't hold God to this. He's got to do good if he can because it's not accurate and it's not helpful and it's not best for us. What I want to do, you know, it's really interesting you're singing these songs beautiful songs the band did such a great job with them but like we just were singing god is good and i'm it's well with my soul no matter what happens but the reality is do do we really believe that do we really believe that in life i mean i guess we do sometimes at least but I want to look at a, a, a guy that you know from the Bible, probably. If you grew up in church, you've heard this, or if, if you're a musical theater person, you know about this guy. His name's Joseph, right? Maybe you saw the musical starring Utah's own Donnie Osmond and Joseph and the t- amazing Technicolor Dream Coat, right? Based on a true story. I don't, never saw it, so I don't know how close to the story it was. But anyway, here's, what's, here, here's Joseph's story, because, and I want to tell you this story because I think it so accurately represents this area. When we feel out of control and our life is spinning, we've lost control, what do we do when all we can control is you? And I think that this guy gets it. Now, Joseph was born to Jacob. They'd settled in Canaan, which had the bad gods, some of the gods we already talked about. He settles in Canaan, and uh, he has 12 brothers, 12 brothers. And uh, of, all the, of all the 12 and Joseph, he is Jacob's, it tells us, he's, he's Jacob's favorite son. Now, he didn't ask for that. That's just what it was. And uh, as a matter of fact, Jacob, as a demonstration of his love and his favoritism of this guy, what does he do? He gives him what? The amazing Technicolor dream coat, right? Now, that serves as a, you know, let me wear this around so you never forget I'm dad's favorite, right? So he's got this coat, but here's what we find out. His brothers hate him. They don't dislike him. They're not angry with him. They hate him. As a matter of fact, it says they could not, this is a quote from, from, uh, from the Bible, they could not bring themselves to speak peaceably with him. They couldn't even have a civil conversation with their brother Joseph. They hate him so much. Joseph didn't ask for that. It's just what it was. And then he starts to have these dreams he has a couple dreams that we're told about. And in these dreams, uh, here's what happens. He, he learns or his, 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 he decides from his dreams. He says, you know what? I'm going to tell my brothers about this. Turns out not to be a great idea. He says, hey, here, I, I got to tell you brothers who hate me so much that you can't speak peaceably with me. Let me tell you my dream. Um, I dreamed that you guys are going to bow down to me. Crazy, huh? <laughs> they didn't really like that. And he goes, but I had another one. And in this one, uh, I dreamed that I was going to reign over you. Again, makes the situation not better. He actually tells his dad, remember he's the favorite, he tells his dad about this dream, and his dad says to him, "What kind of, quote, what kind of dream is that? <laughs> like, well, I, do I have control over you? I mean, do anyone here have control over your dreams? Like, I know what your dreams are like, right? They're just scattered and random. So he has a dream, he tells his dad, his dad, who, he, this is his favorite son, his dad is like, What? So his brothers get so angry at him one day, they decide they're going to kill him. They're going to kill their brother because they're so mad. They can't stand him, daddy's favorite. And so uh, one of the brothers finally talks reason into the other brothers, and they decide instead of killing him, let's just profit from him. So they human traffic him, and they sell him to a Midianite crew of traders. As the traders are coming through town, they sell their brother into slavery to the Midianites, who in turn take him to Egypt and sell him to the Egyptians as a slave. Okay, that's not that awesome a story. None of us would choose that for ourselves, that's for sure. But it gets worse. As he is in Egyptian slavery, this happens when he's 17 years old. As he's in Egyptian slavery, uh, Potiphar, who is the captain of the guard says, hey, I think this guy's something. I'm going to take him. I'm going to make him my personal servant. And he's going to, uh, you know, be, be like my personal attendant. So that's a good news, except for one thing. This, this guy's name's Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife also thinks Joseph's kind of special. And so she starts putting the press on him to have sex with him. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do this. And it says day after day after day, she's pressuring him. She's forcing herself on him. He's like, no, no, no. Until one day he's in the palace uh, Potiphar's house, and, and uh, she grabs his robes, and, and he's like, no, no, and he runs away, and she holds on to the robes, and she's left with the robes, and she tells Potiphar, hey, he tried to rape me, and he goes to jail. As a side note, kids, look at he, the coat of many colors. The brothers tore that up and gave it to dad to prove he died, and then the woman's got the coat. This, just clean up your stuff. Don't leave your stuff laying around, okay? It's a side note, but here, what happens he, he gets accused and sent to jail after never doing a wrong thing, right? And here's what's interesting about this whole story. A repeated phrase over and over through the story of Joseph is this. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading this, hey, if that's what it means the Lord is with me, That I'm going to get falsely accused of rape and sent to jail. And if I'm going to get sold into slavery, my brothers are going to hate me so much they want to kill me. I'm not sure I really want the Lord to be with me. See, but Joseph had a bigger picture. See, he didn't have a, if he could, he would, God. He didn't have a, if he was good, he would, God. He believed in God to his core. But the story continues. Now he's in jail And at 28 years old, how old was he when he went into slavery? 17. At 28, he's in jail. And these two guys from the king's palace get sent to jail. And they have these crazy dreams. And Joseph says, I can interpret these. And so he interprets the dreams. And he says, hey, just I ask one thing of just one thing. Just do this one thing for me. When you get out, because you're going to get out, just remember me and tell the king that I'm innocent not guilty, and guess what happens? He doesn't. He forgets all about Joseph. And for two more years, he rots away in jail with no hope of release. Until, finally, the king of Egypt has a dream. And he says, I need someone to interpret this. And the guy says, hey, the cupbearer says, hey, I remember this guy in jail. He could do it. So they bring Joseph up to interpret the dream, and he interprets it. And the king says, okay, you know what? You woke up in jail today. Tonight, you're second in command of Egypt. That's how fast things change. And here's what I want you to understand about this. I'm not promising you glorious endings. I'm not promising you're going to be president of the United States if you follow God. None of that. But here's what I am saying. Joseph is a guy who got this. And his answer to the question, what do you do when all you can control is you, is this, and this is the point for us today. What do you do when all you can control is you? You submit yourself to the one who's truly in control. Let me say that again. What do you do when all you can do is control you? You submit yourself to the one who's really in control. And here's the thing. We like to think we're in control, right? We like to, we want to go, I'm in control. But what, have we learned anything through COVID-19? Again, we don't have control. So we need to give our control to God. This is exactly what Joseph had mastered, you know. And in spite of his circumstances, in spite of the injustices, and the jail time, and the false accusation of rape, and the fact that it seemed like God had forgotten about him, He refused to believe the lies of hostility and hopelessness and helplessness. And he just continued. The Lord was with him and he continued to be faithful in his service to God and do what God God had always called him to do. And he submitted himself to the one who was really in control. So, that brings us to the, the, the last question here that we need to answer and it's this. So if... I need to submit myself to the one who's truly in control. How do I do that? Here's how. Look at James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. It says this. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Wait, let me just wind through that verse again. Consider it all what? joy joy not not control joy consider it joy when you lose control consider it joy when bad things happen consider it joy when your life seems like it's spinning sideways because those trials are the very thing that we need to produce what it does it say to make me perfect and complete Without the trials, actually, if he could, he would, he's good, he would. If that happened every time something arose in our life, we couldn't become perfect and complete, and we would constantly, according to this verse, be lacking stuff. But the fact that God doesn't always solve every problem in the moment and always do what we think is good actually tells us that we can have everything we want. And that's what makes him good. Not because he's the genie in the bottle, God. And the way of finding what God calls us to is so counterintuitive to human nature. What we want to do is jump back into control so that I can get what I want. And let me ask you, anyone out here who's like, man, I, I, I'd be good if I had everything I, want, I everything I needed? Anyone? See, what we really want is to have what God wants for us, though we may not know that. And the only way we can get that is through full submission to him. And as it turned out, Joseph's story became a whole lot more than just about him and his life. You know, he he became someone who saved an entire nation. He didn't know that at the time. He only found out after the fact. But let me ask you, could it be that your life could be so much more than just about you? I believe it could, not but I also believe that the only way that would happen is when we fully submit our control to God. I love this quote. It's by Charles Swindoll. Just as we close, I want to read this too. It says this: We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. So the question, what do I do when all I can control is me? Is I submit to the one who's really in control? I want you guys to pray with me if you would. Jesus, we uh we confessed that we do not always believe in your goodness if we're honest. And just as we sang this morning, we don't actually always believe it as well. We don't always trust you, and we don't we don't think you're good sometimes, but we confess that to you right now. We ask, we just ask you to receive our our uh, apology and uh, our confession. And Lord Jesus, help us to trust in you. And for many of us here today, maybe we've never even taken that first step. We've never t- taken the time to trust in God and put him to the test in the very moment when we wanna walk away. But rather than that, we've never taken the chance to let our faith be tested. And so we confess that. Or in those moments, we walk away from letting our faith express itself because we don't believe fully that that's what's best. And so, Lord Jesus, we just confess all that to you today. We ask that you would lead us and guide us and that you would help us have the strength and the courage to be like Joseph, be with us in all those moments and help us to be with you and trust you and follow your guidance. And we ask all this in your name, amen. So... Thanks for being here today. I, just a couple things before you take off. The first is this: if you are here today and you're struggling through something, or you have a question, or you uh, maybe you've never taken that first step, I would love to talk to you. I know Dave's right down here, Susie's here, my wife's back there. We have people everywhere that would love the chance to share with you what it means to take that first step in following Jesus. Or just if you're struggling, you want someone to pray with, we'd love to do that. Secondly, again, you can sign up for small groups, get connected here. And uh, just, uh, you know, become the life of the body. Remember that next week we're going to be indoors here at K2. So we'll look forward to seeing you then. Thanks and have a great week.